The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we count down the 10 greatest games ever played in the month of November in the history of college football. Now, November is a time when conferences are won and lost. Rivalries have finally been played after a year of waiting. And in our previous podcast, what did we do? Well, we covered the top 20 through 11 greatest games played in the month of November. And if you listen to that podcast, perhaps you thought, I knew some or possibly many or even all of those games coming up, but those games did not make our top 10 list. So you may be thinking, well, which games did? And I'm sure you have some in mind. Maybe you have them all in mind. And maybe you disagree completely with our 20 through 11 as well. Well, stay tuned now for here are the top 10 greatest games played in the month of November. Number 10, Army 0, Notre Dame 0, November 9th, 1946, the colossal tie. A colossal battle between two undefeated teams ended in a scoreless tie, and both teams finished the season undefeated with that one tie. The AP, well, they voted the Irish national champions, but I'm getting ahead of myself. See, on that day, number one Army entered the game 7-0 and faced number two Notre Dame 5-0. It was number one Army versus number two Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium in front of over 74,000 fans, matching coaching legends, Coach Red Blake of Army against Frank Leahy of Notre Dame. Both teams came in unbeaten and untied. While Notre Dame outgained Army by 40 yards, Army had moved the ball inside the Notre Dame 36 times. Notre Dame got past midfield just three times. This colossal battle ended in a scoreless tie, ending Army's 25-game winning streak. And as mentioned, both teams finished with one tie, and the AP voted Notre Dame national champions. Number nine, Boston College 47, Miami of Florida 45, November 23rd, 1984, Flutie's Hail Mary. With six seconds left in the game, Boston College quarterback Doug Flutie let loose a prayer from midfield, and his roommate, Jared Phelan, caught it in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. See, number 10, Boston College had entered the game 7-2, and two, and they faced number 12, Miami, who entered the game 8-3, and three, and had won the national championship the year before. Playing in the Orange Bowl, the teams marched up and down the field all game long, back and forth. Eagle quarterback Doug Flutie threw for 472 yards. Hurricane quarterback Bernie Kosar, well, he threw for 447 yards. With the Eagles up 41 to 38, with just under four minutes remaining in the game, Miami engineered a 79-yard, three-and-a-half-minute drive that culminated with a one-yard touchdown run by Melvin Bratton. Boston College now found themselves down 45 to 41, and there were 28 seconds left, and the rest is etched into college football lore. With the ball at their own 20 in three plays, the Eagles flew, pardon the pun, flew down the field to the Hurricanes' 48-yard line, and now there is six seconds remaining in the game. This is when Boston College quarterback Doug Flutie scrambled out of the pocket and let loose a prayer from midfield that his roommate Gerard Fallon caught in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown, and behold, one of the most iconic plays in the history of college football, ending one of the greatest games ever played. Now, here's a simple question. How many times have you viewed this play? Number eight, Harvard 29, Yale 29, November 23rd, 1968, comeback for the ages. 
Both teams bet undefeated, and this was the first time they had done so in 56 years since 1912 that the two teams had met undefeated. Well, in the final minute, Yale were in complete control. They led 29 to 13. Harvard scores a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and then recovers an onside kick and scored again. But I'm getting ahead of myself. See, on that day, the Harvard Crimson entered the game 8-0. The Yale Bulldogs entered the game 8-0. The Ivy League's title was at stake for arguably the Ivy League and quite possibly college football's most intense rivalry. Crimson trailed the game 29-13 late in the fourth quarter. Then the Crimson went on a 14-play, 86-yard drive. With 42 seconds left in the game, Harvard trailed by 16. Again, 42 seconds left. They're down by 16 but they culminated the drive with a touchdown to close the gap to 29 to 21. A successful two-point conversion and a recovered onside kick followed, and Harvard ran 14 yards, and a face mask penalty helped, all going up to set up the famous last play with four seconds remaining. On the last play, quarterback Frank Champy avoided a really fierce pass rush and found halfback Vic Gatto in the end zone. With no time on the clock, Champy hit Pete Vernay, to complete the utterly implausible comeback, 16 points in the final 42 seconds. The next day, as the Harvard Crimson ran their headlines, it read, Harvard beats Yale 29-29. Number seven, Michigan State 10, Notre Dame 10, November 19, 1966. Parsegian's choice. Number one versus number two, Duffy Darty versus Arab Parsegian. Number two, Michigan State entered the game 9-0 and they faced Notre Dame, who entered the game 8-0, number one in the country. This was hailed as the game of the century. Number one Notre Dame against number two Michigan State. After Michigan State jumped out to a 10-0 first half lead, Notre Dame tied the game early in the fourth quarter. And this is where the stunning stuff and controversial stuff occurs. And it's not really what happened, it's what did not happen. With 124 remaining in the game, Notre Dame had the ball first and 10 at its own 30-yard line. Notre Dame coach Ara Parsegian chose to run out the clock to preserve the tie. After the game, he said, after trying so hard to tie the game, he did not want to give it to them cheap. The result, Michigan State did not win the national championship. Notre Dame did. Number six, Kansas 23, Oklahoma 3, November 8th, 1975. No score defied imagination more. It can be rather easily argued that in the annals of college football history, no score defied imagination more than Kansas 23, Oklahoma 3. Kansas entered the game 5-3. Notre Dame entered the game 8-0 on the heels of their 1974 national championship season, riding a 37-game unbeaten streak, a 28-game winning streak, and Barry Switzer, the coach, had yet to lose a game in his third season as coach. They were unbeaten in his first 30 games. Playing at Norman, Jayhawk quarterback Nolan Cromwell, who's the Big Eight's leading rusher, actually, led the Jayhawks' wishbone attack. Cromwell never threw a pass that day. Kansas led 7-3 at halftime, and then the unbelievable happened. The Jayhawks forced seven sooner turnovers in the second half, eight for the game. All the more stunning, remember, this game was the ninth game of the 1975 season. This was the first time since 1966, 99 consecutive games, that Oklahoma had been held to less than seven points and was Oklahoma's first defeat since October of 1972. Again, this was 1975. No score defied imagination more than this game. Number five, Cal 25, Stanford 20, November 20th, 1982. 
the most exciting finish of all time. Kevin Moan took a kickoff at game's end and after seven laterals, ran into the end zone and right into Gary Tyrell's trombone. Now stop me if you've heard this before. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. These were the words spoken by Joe Starkey, the stunned bear radio play-by-play man, announcing the final play of the game. That is the game. It was a finish to top all finishes. And it happened in, again, the game. It started when John Elway, who led the Cardinals to an improbable comeback with four seconds left, and all Stanford had to do was kick off and tackle. That's it. And what followed is etched in the college football lore forever. Stanford squib kicks it. Cal's Kevin Moan takes the ball at the Cal 45, races a few yards, and laterals to Richard Rogers, who then laterals to Dwight Garner, who runs five yards, and who laterals back to Rogers, who races to the Stanford 45 before he laterals to Marriott Ford. You getting all this? Well, at the same time, mind you, the Stanford band starts to enter the field in the Stanford end zone. Ford races to the 27 and tosses a blind lateral over his shoulder to Moan, who had originally gathered the kickoff earlier in the play. And through a sea of players, as well as the 144 band members on the field, he runs into the end zone and straight into Gary Tyrell's trombone to end the most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. Number four, Chicago 2, Michigan 0, November 30th, 1905. The original game of the century. This was the original game of the century. Legendary coaches Amos Alonjo Stagg versus Fielding Yost. Chicago 9-0 led by fullback Hugo Bezdek versus Michigan 12-0, who was riding a 56-game unbeaten streak and coached by Fielding Yost, who in his last game of his fifth season had yet to lose a game at Michigan, outscoring opponents 2,821-40. His teams were called the point-a-minute teams. Well, on that day, a defensive struggle for the ages ensued. It was a scoreless tie in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes remaining in the game when Chicago punted. Michigan's Denny Clark fielded the punt behind his goal line, and was tackled for a safety to abruptly end the Wolverines' 56-game unbeaten streak. Well, we only have three games remaining for our top 20 games and played in November. Do you know what three are still out there? Number three, Notre Dame 7, Oklahoma 0, November 16, 1957, the game that ended the Sooners' 47-game winning streak. In the fourth quarter, the Irish drove 80 yards on 20 plays for the game's only touchdown. Notre Dame scored on a fourth down from Oklahoma's three-yard line, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Back on September 26, 1953, and this is again November 16, 1957. So back on November 26, 1953, Notre Dame defeated Oklahoma 28-21. Oklahoma tied the next game and then raced off to an NCAA Division I record 47-game winning streak that spanned five years from 1953 to 1957. Number two, Oklahoma entered the game 7-0 and were the two-time defending national champions. Notre Dame entered the game 4-2. In the previous season, Notre Dame had a losing season, losing its previous two games, and were an 18-point underdog. Playing at Norman in front of over 63,000 fans, the game was scoreless with less than four minutes remaining. Notre Dame faced a fourth and goal at the Oklahoma three-yard line. Irish quarterback Bobby Williams faked a dive into the end zone and pitched it to Dick Lynch, who scored the stunning game-winning touchdown and ended Oklahoma's 47-game winning streak. Well, now there's two games left. Pause, think, what two are remaining in the month of November for a countdown of the greatest 20 games in the history of college football in November.
Number two, Nebraska 35, Oklahoma 31. November 25th, 1971, the game of the century. So often you hear this phrase, this is the game of the century. And you start to wonder, you know, how long a century really is. I mean, wasn't there one just a few years back? But this game between these two classic teams truly was the game of the century. And then it did the seemingly impossible. It lived up to the hype. It is still palpable today watching the footage of this game that this was college football's version of Ali Frazier, the true battle of the heavyweights. And the game had stood the test of time. Let's set the stage for you. The game of the century pitted number one versus number two. Number one, Nebraska entered the game 10-0. Number two, Oklahoma entered it 9-0. Both teams undefeated, untied. Oklahoma, number one on offense. Nebraska, number one on defense. On Thanksgiving Day, it was showdown time. Oklahoma had scored 45 points per game, and they met Nebraska, who allowed eight points per game, playing at home in the first quarter. Oklahoma punted and Cornhusker Johnny Rogers fielded the punt at his own 28-yard line and returned it for the epic, spectacular 72-yard punt return in one of the most iconic plays in college football history. It was a furious game back and forth all day, with the Sooners leading 31-28 with less than two minutes remaining. But with 138 remaining in the game, Nebraska Jeff Kinney scored his fourth touchdown of the day to give the Nebraska the 35-31 lead and secure the game of the century for the Cornhuskers. So to recap, we have counted down numbers 10 through 2. We had the greatest finish of all time, the game that ended the streak, the game of the century, what could possibly be left? What is that one game remaining that tops all of them? There are 20 games in this countdown, and 19 of them do not hold a candle to this game. Do you know what it is? Pause if you want, and then hit play when you'd like to. The number one game ever played in the month of November in the history of college football. Rutgers 6, Princeton 4, November 6, 1869, the birth of college football. The first football game ever played was played with soccer balls. Players were not allowed to throw the ball. And the birth of college football on November 6, 1869 in New Brunswick, New Jersey took place. What did this game look like? Well, before we get to that, Princeton and Rutgers are 20 miles apart. And the reason this game even occurred in the first place was that Princeton's baseball team had defeated Rutgers 40-2 to three years earlier. So the Rutgers student, William J. Leggett, if you're a college football fan, remember that name because he's the one that began it all, William J. Leggett. He writes a letter to Princeton issuing a challenge in retribution for that loss. Leggett suggested a series of three games of a new sport called football. Princeton student William S. Gummer accepted. So... Leggett captain the Rutgers team, Gunner the Princeton team, and now at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on November 6th, 1869, in front of over about 100 spectators, college football was born in New Brunswick, New Jersey. There were 25 players on each team. They played with a soccer ball. The rules dictated no passing, no running, and players were allowed to kick the ball or hit it to get it over the goal line, which was located 100 yards away from the other goal line. Rutgers was smaller, Princeton was larger, and each score was worth one point. And it was awarded when the ball was kicked over the opponent's goal line. Now, yardage was earned with short kicks and batting of the ball that occurred as an interference of players who ran into each other. And so they yelled and they screamed. What about the game itself? Well, Rutgers got the ball first. Rutgers scores first. Princeton ties the game one to one. Princeton eventually goes up four to two. Princeton ties the game four four. Then it happened. Rutgers scores two more goals. Rutgers six, Princeton four. The game lasted over five hours. 
Well, there you have it. The 10 greatest games played in the month of November. And combined with our previous podcast, the top 20 games ever played in the month of November. We hope we included at least some of those you would consider worthy to be on the list. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.